Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Into the Borough podcast here on the Borough Reviews Network. My name is Jared, and joining me later on in the episode will be Linda, but for right now, it's just us. But I wanted to give you a preview of what's to come in this episode. So we're going to talk some Dexter. The Showtime revival has added an interesting cast member, and I want to discuss it with someone who knows the show. And also, we have got a bunch of other productions, both in film and video game world, that are starting. And it really is a good sign for the entertainment industry as a whole as things start to really rev up and we start to get more and more content being produced going forward after the COVID-19 pandemic. We have also got some controversial things to talk about. Um, including the Don't Breathe 2 trailer, which I do want to get into a pretty lengthy discussion on that. And then also we have Justin Lin now saying that he might bring Brian back for F10. Uh, So if you're not familiar with the Fast and Furious franchise, obviously Paul Walker's character was a huge part of it. Um, To begin with, it was a huge part of the whole entire series, really the heart of the series. And, you know, after his untimely passing, they kind of had to figure out what to do with that. And now Justin Lin is saying that it might be time to bring that character back, kind of like how they did for, you know, the additional scenes that were shot during Furious 7. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, also in the show, we're going to be predicting the box office for Black Widow and telling you what is new to streaming this week. So you don't want to miss the show. Stay tuned and we'll be right back after the news bit. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. And Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes of finishing your first recording. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. We use Buzzsprout and can attest that it is a cakewalk compared to some of the other hosting platforms that we've used. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. So what are you waiting for? Grab your gear that you already have, and then find a quiet space to record and talk about all your favorite things. Following the link in the show notes lets Buzzsprout know that we sent you, gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and helps support our show. We can't wait to hear your passion. And now for your last week's news update. John Squires a Bloody Disgusting writes, Dexter. John Lithgow will be back as the Trinity Killer in Showtime's revival. Michael C. Hall stars in Showtime's upcoming revival of Dexter, a continuation of the original series that will essentially allow Showtime to make up for the show's original finale. Additionally, we've learned that John Lithgow will also make his return to Dexter. Lithgow, who played Arthur Mitchell, a.k.a. the Trinity Killer, in the show's fourth season, will make a short but decisive appearance in the new season, Deadline reports. Lithgow won an Emmy Award for his work on Dexter back in 2010, so of course it's no surprise that the showrunners would want him back. Antonio Fermi, a variety, writes Aquaman 2, John Wick 4, 
and more major blockbusters begin filming, signaling production revival. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, which is set to debut in theaters on December 16, 2022, is entering production 18 months ahead of its initial release schedule. James Wan, the horror filmmaker who helmed 2018's Aquaman, posted a picture on Instagram in an icy cavern to show that filming is underway. Lionsgate was so pleased with the John Wick franchise that they announced the fourth film during the opening week of John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum. While the fourth chapter was initially supposed to film back-to-back with the subsequent fifth installment, the COVID-19 pandemic set production back an entire calendar year. However, John Wick Chapter 4 is now scheduled to release in theaters on May 27, 2022, and Lionsgate announced that the fourth film is now in production. Additionally, Ryan Johnson announced last week that production on Knives Out 2 has commenced in the warm Mediterranean shores of Greece. Like Aquaman for Warner Brothers, the Knives Out franchise is a particularly lucrative property that Netflix acquired in an attempt to strengthen its slate of original content. The streaming service bought the rights to Knives Out 2 and Knives Out 3 for more than $450 million back in March. Back in the US, Netflix also started production on Noah Baumbach's White Noise. Yuri Singer, a producer on the film, made the announcement on Twitter. The comedy disaster film will star Greta Gerwig, Adam Driver, and Jodie Turner-Smith. With each production starting, it signals a strong message of a comeback to Hollywood. Daniel Ryan of Slash Film writes, Fast and Furious director Justin Lin considering bringing Paul Walker's Brian back in future sequels, but how? It turns out that even a tragic death can't keep the Fast and Furious family apart. Franchise director Justin Lin told Cinepop Brazil that he wants to bring back Paul Walker's character Brian O'Connor in the remaining two Fast and Furious sequels. Quote, Obviously Paul and his character Brian are the soul and heart of how we're able to move forward. Bringing him back is something I think about every day. As we approach the end of the franchise, it's a conversation I'm having, and I think about the possibility every day. While all of this seems completely in the realm of fantasy, it's not. After his untimely death in 2013, Walker's brothers Cody and Caleb were used to help recreate his likeness in unfinished scenes for Furious 7. The script was also reworked to give the character a proper send-off, so his absence in the Fast and Furious films would make sense. It would be a heartwarming end to a series which focused heavily on the relationship between the two men. If the Walker family is on board, and Lynn really wants to do it, Bringing Brian back for one final goodbye wouldn't be so terrible. Or maybe it would. Andy Chalk of PC Gamer writes, Three years after The Elder Scrolls VI was announced, Todd Howard is thinking about making it. In 2016, just before The Elder Scrolls VI was formally announced at E3 2018, Todd Howard confirmed that Bethesda was working on a new Elder Scrolls game but warned that it would be extremely long ways away. So far off, in fact, that he implied the technology required to make it happen didn't actually exist at the time. Five years down the road, and three years after the announcement at E3 2018, it appears the situation may not have changed as much as you might have hoped. In a new interview with The Telegraph, Howard said Bethesda is still working on the technology that The Elder Scrolls VI would demand. Quote, It's good to think of The Elder Scrolls VI, as still being in the design phase. The developed projects 
quote, kind of intertwine, he said, but the vast majority of the development work is on Starfield right now. Starfield is currently expected to be out in November 2022. And that concludes your last week's news update. If you would like to support The Borough Reviews or the Into the Borough podcast, please consider subscribing to our Patreon campaign. Our Patreon offers four distinct memberships. Candyman, a $1 a month tier to show your general support for what we do. It follows a $2 a month tier that will grant you early access to our videos before they release on YouTube. Hereditary, a $5 a month tier with exclusive podcast discussions and member-only polls so you control what content we focus on each month. And finally, Trick or Treat, a $10 a month tier where you'll get exclusive videos, behind-the-scene content, and all of the other tier perks combined. During these times, it is crucial for us to remain stable, and with your help, we can get there. Head over to patreon.com slash Reviews to sign up. The Borough Reviews, your movie refuge. Linda, welcome to the podcast. Yay. Yay. You weren't here during the intro bit, but you're here now, and that's the important part. Yeah, Linda messed up yesterday. <laughs> well, well, I was, I was literally up. working on stuff. And mm-hmm. I was like, all right, as soon as Jared texts me, we can get started on recording. And the next thing I know, like a half hour or so flies by. And I'm like, why hasn't Jared texted me yet? Then I check my phone I'm like, oh, he he did text me back. <laughs> Oops. And so I had to run outside for like something. I don't remember. But long story short, my phone fell on my, my pants. And then I stepped on it. So then my phone broke. So I couldn't even contact Jared anyways. And it was just a long, it's been a long couple of days for Linda. It has. You need some rest. <laughs> There's, why, why, why can't Linda have a week where nothing happens? Where you can just be like, Linda, how's your week been? I can just be like, oh, it's fine. That it was a good week. It was a good no, week. Every week I'm like, Jared, <laughs> <laughs> something happened. And yeah. now, now thanks to me, we have to record at two o'clock in the morning. Oh, that's okay. I'm sorry. It it'll make for a good episode, maybe. Maybe we're groggy at this point. Usually we like just go off the rails, so it's it's always something. It's a it's a time of some sort. It is always a time of some sort. Yes. Um, Well, we do have some news this week. Uh, Not too much. I kind of spiced it up. I threw some video game news in the reel this week. I did some other stuff because we didn't have a whole lot. Basically, the news this week was like, hey. Black Panther 2 starting production, Knives Out 2 starting production, all of these other movies, Aquaman, all of them are starting production. So it's like, oh, good, like, great, like, things are relatively going back to normal. Um, We did get news that John Lithgow is reprising his role as the Trinity Killer um, for a short but decisive, is that what it says? Yeah, short short but decisive decisive. appearance. Um. I don't know how they're going to do that, but the series is known for flashback galore. So like we're going to get flashbacks and it wouldn't surprise me if other people show up in flashbacks, even though they said that they weren't going to, um, we'll see. But yeah, that's, I mean, it's interesting when you think of John Lithgow, um, I don't usually think of the Trinity killer, but 
But every time I remember like the Trinity Killer, that was the best season of Dexter. It was. It was the most messed up. It was the most messed up. It was the best. John Lithgow got an Emmy for his role back in 2010 on Dexter. I didn't know that. I didn't know that he got an Emmy for that role. That kind of shocks me, actually. Um, I, it shocks me because usually with horror properties like Dexter, they don't usually get Emmy recognition, even like in the acting categories. So it always surprises me when someone ends up winning for something like that. Yeah, usually... Sometimes when it comes to shows that are like obviously great, like Dexter, Breaking Bad, stuff like that, it's usually it usually is like a guest star that makes like a surprisingly amazing performance that usually racks up the Emmy wins for them. Uh, but God, John Lithgow is the kind of guy that's like you wouldn't be like, oh, he's from this or he's from this. But it, he's one of those guys where you like, if someone told you he's from that, you're like, oh, he's that guy. Like, exactly. did you know he's Lord Farquaad? I did. And you know how I know that? Because like a month ago, I rewatched the Shrek trilogy. So did I! And I was sitting there and I was like, who the fuck voices Lord Farquaad? I was like, it kind of sounds familiar. And I looked at it, I was like, John Lithgow. I was like, that's so strange. He just popped up um, in our watch party when we watched Late Night. He plays yeah. uh, Emma Thompson's like husband in that film. And he has like Parkinson's and like, I don't know. It was like, I was like, wait, that's John Lithgow. Like, damn, I like the guy. I do. So I keep I'm not forgetting mad. that he was in Footloose too. Yes. I mean, just everything. Everything that you could possibly think of, he's probably been in at least to some extent. Yeah, no, he is in a crap ton of shit. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he he's working. <laughs> he was he, in Rugrats in Paris. How sweet. He played Jean-Claude. 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 Um Yeah, John Lithgow. Amazing guy. Oh yeah, and he was also in Pets. Oh yeah, he was the highlight of Pet Cemetery. He was the highlight of Pet Cemetery. And when I think of John Lithgow, like as of recent, I do think Pet Cemetery. So me too. Um, he likes his horror, but he's a very versatile actor because he shows up in horror and he shows up in dramas and TV shows and like he's all over the place. Good. Good friend. He seems like kind of like a character actor, kind of like Margot Martindale. Margot Martindale is like one of the most like famous character actors there is thanks to Bojack. But John Lithgow, I would consider another one. Yeah, I mean, me too, especially after seeing him in um, Late Night and just how much different that role is compared to everything else that I've seen him in. And usually all of his roles are pretty versatile. So, yeah, it makes sense. Um, Better than uh, Jason Clark. Yes, much better, in my opinion. (laughs) The other thing that we have this week, I wonder how this is going to turn out. And I want to know your thoughts on this. So Justin Lin is doing an interview over at Cinepop Brazil, and he casually mentions wanting to bring back Paul Walker's character, Brian O'Connor, in the Fast and Furious <laughs> movie that's going to come next, which I think they're splitting into two parts. They're going to do Fast and Furious 10 part one and then part two. But he wants to bring uh, the character of Brian O'Connor back for those films. And um, he said, quote, something like uh, 
Brian's the soul and heart of the film. And so we want to move forward with him. Um, and he was like, he was like, if we can do it, basically, why not do it? That was like, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but that was his quote. Essentially, he was like, if we can do it and the fans want want him back so much, then why not? Um, how do you think people are going to respond to this one? Do you think the general public is going to be okay with seeing a CG Brian O'Connor on screen using stand-ins, obviously his brother Cody and Caleb, um, or his brothers rather, Cody and Caleb, they, uh, they kind of stepped in and they were doing a lot of shoots and stuff for Furious 7 when that came out um, with some CG work. And I think that the CG work in Furious 7 is actually really tastefully done. And I think it was a good way to send off. I'm not sure that I quite like the idea of bringing him back because even, I don't know if you saw F9 yet, but even at the end of that movie, they're like, oh, hey, there's a there's an open spot at the table. And then it goes to Jordana Brewster's character and she's like, he's on his way. And then you just see like his blue car, like coming down the street and pull up in the driveway. And then it cuts to black. And it's that to me is more tasteful than recreating someone that is dead from thin air just to have him in your film. Personally, uh, how do you feel about it? And do you think it's going to be received well if they end up going forward with it? is that a no (laughs) Um, first of all I admire how well versed you have the ending of Fast and Furious 7 just kind of laid that out there really well oh no sorry that was the ending for Fast 9 this this recent one I mean it's so late I can't just shut the fuck up (laughs) 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 oh my god I agree with you. I think it's in poor taste to literally just have a dead guy be like, oh, yeah, let's just, you know, computerize him and work him like a puppet for the sake of, you know, viewers. We talked about it a while ago, but they're doing that whole James Dean thing, too, where they're going to try and... just leave him alone. Yeah. I don't know. Like, that's my... If they happen to unfortunately pass during filming of a movie and you're able to just kind of you know finish the scenes with what you already have yeah. like they did with you know like they pointed out in the article like they did with Carrie Fisher like they did with Brandon Lee but after that just just stop yeah. just leave it like I yeah, think exactly like, like like I said that ending scene is like super tasteful still it's like Reminding you that his character still exists in the universe, but not making a point to be like, oh, just every didn't die. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it just it works better. There's actually a film that Robin Wright was in a few years ago. It's called The Congress. It's a live action slash animated science fiction drama written and directed by Robin Wright herself. And it details this exact topic of how we immortalize like actors and um, celebrities, like after they're dead, basically her, she plays herself in the Congress and um, it's super self-aware and meta. And she's like, 
the the studios the heads of the studios are like hey robin you haven't done anything since fucking house of cards you lazy like you lazy beach uh they do call her like names and stuff in that movie uh <laughs> they they <laughs> i'm i'm quoting them lazy i don't think beach uh but they're like you lazy beach um you're not doing anything you haven't had a good film since the princess bride and now you only have the house of cards on netflix they're like what are you doing with your life sign over to us and we will basically use you for all of our films so basically in that movie the actors have a choice to go through this digital technology process where they can like basically um get a full like rendered you know actual like 3d version of them to just put in films and it looks like normal so the actors don't even act anymore they literally sign off and have the studio like basically use them if they're not available to like make movies around them um maybe this is why i'm not an actor i don't know but that would make me so insanely uncomfortable mm mm-hmm that made and, me so uncomfortable. And um, it's a great film. I do recommend it. Uh, it's, um, like I said, it's called The Congress. And uh, it's written and directed by Robin Wright. And it stars Robin Wright as herself. And it's super self-aware, super meta. But it's animated too. Um, like it goes into portions where she gets digitized. And then she's like an actual digitized person. Uh, stylistically, it's it's a really creative film. And um it just reminds me of that so much where we're getting to the point now where it's like, well, let's just recreate someone because I can, because I have the intellectual property rights to their personhood. Like it's weird. Like, you know what I mean? It's weird. Like he's not consenting to be brought back. James Dean isn't consenting to be brought back. You know, Marilyn Monroe isn't being brought back consensually. Like, so we should probably at some point stop. Yeah. I, yeah, no, I just, I think some over eager fans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're like, there are fans of this franchise. Yeah, I just need to mm, process that in my own time, but. <sighs> I, <laughs> God, people hate me. Uh, <laughs> I think some. Over eager fans might look at this opportunity and be like, hell yeah, without actually thinking through what the studio is actually trying to do. Yeah. So I think it is important to just kind of really specify what that would mean. Like, just, you know, remember, he's he's gone. <laughs> so this wouldn't be him. This would just be a computer. And it would be very weird. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe if I was a Fast and Furious fan, I'd understand. <laughs> maybe if you were me. No, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I, I don't like. Why. I don't like the Fate of the Furious, and I really don't like F9. But I, I do think that there is something special, oddly enough, about that franchise. And um, if they would just. If they would just bring it back to reality, bring it back to Earth a little bit, um, maybe it would work better. Like if we bring it back to stealing I bank you vaults were one and of the like people that wanted like Jurassic Park involved. 
Okay, no. Let's bring I, it back to reality, but with dinosaurs. <laughs> um, <laughs> look, I think that crossovers like that just sound fun to me. It's like when they were going to do the 23 Jump Street mixed with the Men in Black. I was like all for it. Like, totally fine with it. I look, So that's different than the mainline franchise. I think the issue that they're having is they're making... Um, Literally, this this is something that I didn't get the chance to talk about, but F9 score is basically ripped straight from any superhero movie. Like the way that that movie is scored, it's scored to be a superhero film. It's super dramatic. It's super over the top. And I think if we just got back to predominantly like soundtrack heavy scoring for f9 or you know any of the fast and furious movies it might feel a little bit more toned down and then if we're not going to space and we're not launching ourselves like in a car into space um or yes that happens in this movie uh are you fucking kidding me no they go to space uh anyway um (laughs) you didn't know that Okay, let me just clarify real quick. This has nothing to do with Paul Walker. I respect Paul Walker. He has a very impressive filmography. He was a great person before he passed. This is just strictly about these movies. What the fuck? Come on, Linda. You don't want to go to space with Ludacris and Tyrese? Fuck up. You know I don't. (laughs) No, did you watch Fast Five ever? No. Okay. Well, Fast Five might be a good one for you to watch because that's when it's like action heavy and like blockbuster, like attitude really like paved the way for something new for the Fast and Furious franchise, but it was still like not quite at the level of giant submarines uh, stopping rockets with your hands, uh, going to space in a fucking toyota camry with a rocket attached to the back um, okay these are about like okay, cool ass cars and they sent a toyota camry it's i don't know if it's a toyota camry but it is an older car i i don't quote me on that but it, you know you get the gist of what i'm saying like uh yes um look I, this conversation about f9 went on way too long it's been going on way too long (laughs) um (laughs) but uh it's just because jared likes to get me all riled up he's like i really want to piss off linda today let's talk about fast and furious let me just tell her about all the fucking bullshit that happens in these movies because she's not gonna (laughs) believe it but it happens no i do like the i i don't necessarily care for vin diesel but i do like how the the actual audience demographics for F9 are um quite amazing. Like it's so mixed and so diverse. Like it has a box office pull that not a lot of films do. They're not predominantly um white in a lot of markets. They're so you go to a screening and like you're you're literally in a room full of people that have like way different experiences than you watching a bunch of people, a bunch of characters who come from, you know, divert. It's, 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 it's nice from the audience engagement perspective. It's really nice. And um, if we can just tone it down a little bit with the whole space and, and everything like it, it would, it would work. It would work well. A part of me really just wants to think that you're lying. But I'm, I'm not. not. 
I'm snobbish about some things. And then there are other things like fast and furious where I'm like, I don't care. Like I like it most of the time, not the last two, but I do like it overall. (laughs) Linda, you have to trust me. You have to trust me. When have I ever been wrong? <laughs> okay. Out of here with that conceited bullshit. Well, we're um, going to take a break there so that we don't go over 20 minutes talking about F9. Um, and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the Don't Breathe 2 trailer, which I am actually very eager to get your opinion on because they're taking an interesting spin on that movie. And we'll talk all about it when we return. I wanted to tell you a little bit about our website, theborrowreviews.com. If you like indie movies, or blockbuster movies, and anything in between, really, on our site you'll find podcasts, movie reviews, opinion articles, and more content that covers all types of cinema. But we especially love a good horror movie here at The Burrow. If you're looking for a review of your latest project, we got you covered. Simply search theborrowreviews.com in your web browser and you'll find us. As a company residing in Nebraska, we know just how hard it can be to get your message out to the world, and we're here to help. Find our contact page on our website and fill out the form. You'll also find a list of submission guidelines on the page. And while not every submission will be accepted, mainly due to time restrictions, it is always worth a shot. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to the site now and check it out. The Borough Reviews, your movie refuge. We got a little treat this past week. The Don't Breathe 2 trailer released. And to be honest with you, I forgot that it was even in development. But then I remembered that the first one did moderately okay at the box office. So yeah, of course they're going to do a Don't Breathe 2. But unlike um, what you think that they would have done, which would be, I don't know, maybe follow... Because didn't... Okay. It's been a while since I've seen Don't Breathe. Didn't the girl survive the first Don't Breathe? Oh. Like the main girl? Oh, yeah, she did. Yeah. She ran off with her sister. Yeah, so I thought that we would go down maybe the path of that again and exploring more of that character maybe and like somehow like he comes after her or something, you know. But no, they're making him like an an anti-villain in this trailer and in this movie. And I like Stephen Lang, but like his character is bad. That is a bad man. And like who sexually assaulted someone and tried to impregnate them. And now I'm supposed to like care when his house gets broken into. Nah, fuck that guy. Like, uh, let me break into his house for him. Like, anyway, I, I just don't really care for the, I guess, perspective that they're going for here. It's interesting. And I applaud the boldness, but I don't think it's quite PC, nor do I think it's, um, good from a PR standpoint. But again, I I just don't see a world in which he can be redeemed as easily as this trailer makes it seem like they're going to try and do. That's just my two cents. Failed. The gun is in my hand. Sorry. I'll make it next time. You almost got me, didn't you, boy? It's not me you need to be scared of, little girl. But the man standing next to you 
Now, I don't know who he is, but I know who he's not. Should I tell her or you? He's gonna come for me. Now, you're gonna see what I see. No, like literally everything you said. It, I, I didn't like the trailer because he, what you said is true. They are trying to make him like a hero and someone that we should be rooting for. And we're just supposed to forget about the fact that he literally had someone chained up in his basement, forcibly pregnant by him as revenge. And then he literally tried to sexually assault the female protagonist in the first one with a turkey baster. Not even to mention that he fucking killed Dylan Minnette. Like, straight fucking oh, murder honey. Dylan Minnette. Yeah. And so, like, <laughs> so twofer, twofer, I can't like this guy. It's not possible. Like, and uh, the tagline for this movie is now you're going to see what he sees. He doesn't see anything. And, <laughs> and I don't. No, I know. And so what? So are you telling me that I'm going <laughs> to that I'm going to see nothing? Then why would I come out to this movie? Oh my god. I totally forgot that Dylan was asleep downstairs. But I just <laughs> You couldn't contain it. No, so He doesn't see anything. So this takes place a half decade after the first one. Um the blind man Norman Nordstrom, not that I care about his name. Um, his sins catch up to him a half decade after the home invasion portrayed in the first film, bad guys are back this, they weren't even, they were just trying to steal in the first one. They're poor anyway. Right. I'm pretty sure that's the subtext of that film. Yeah. They're stealing money. Yeah. Oh, they're fucking poor then. Like anyway, until his past sins catch up with him, blah, blah, blah. This time the bad people that break into the blind man's house are after the young girl played by Madeline Grace, um, who's in his care. And um, so they have this whole like dialogue between the kid and like some of the perpetrators that are breaking the house. And, and basically the perpetrators are like, Hey, do you want us to tell her who you really are? Like, so they clearly know who he is and like um, they know about him and it kind of makes me root for them a little bit, as long as they're not brutalizing the little girl. Like, go after the old man, fine, whatever. I don't, I care less. But it, it it's trying to make him into some type of father figure where he's like, also, he's like training this little girl to like run in like hot fences and like be weird. <laughs> he's teaching her to be weird. Anyway, I don't know. That's that's what I have to say about Don't Breathe too. I just thought it was such a weird angle to like come from that like, is this even okay to do? Are people going to be okay with this? Like, no, I'm I'm already not okay with what they're doing with the movie. I'm. I guess I'm going to have to reserve my judgment for the final, final product when I actually watch it because I will watch it because I'm more curious to know what they end up actually doing. Like, if they're going to go down the full redemption arc, 
I don't see him making it out of, out of this movie alive. I don't think there's a possibility that Stephen Lang's character makes it out of this movie alive, right? Like, this is it. This is it. He's going to die. Maybe the little girl, after he trains her to be weird. <laughs> Fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's so mean. Uh, Maybe after he trains this little girl, she finds out how much of a piece of shit he is and then helps the bad guys in getting this blind guy. Oh, maybe. No, that would be a twist that I would be down for. I'd be down for that, too. Like, you get him, little girl. Yeah. Screw this guy. I will yeah. say it was a really well-made, like, constructive, like, thriller. I didn't like it because it was brutal. Um, unnecessarily brutal. Uh, and so I didn't necessarily care for it, but I understand why people liked it. Um, I just hope that they don't make him a good guy because that would really suck. No, I think that'd be a little fucked up. Yeah, to, it would be to a little fucked up. Make him be the person that he was in the first movie, only but, in the second movie have us be like, oh, now you guys got a root for him. Ha ha ha. Like, yeah. you really think I'm going to the fuck not? But that's how the trailer was cut. So yeah, it just. I don't like that. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. Um, but I figured we should talk about it because it. Uh, <laughs> I watched it and I was like, I wonder what Linda's going to think about this. Uh, I'm glad to know you that you're really on the think same page. I'm gonna stand behind someone who's a sexual assaulter. Oh, fuck that, no. Yeah, good, good, good. We're all on the same page then. Yeah. Uh, next up, we're gonna take another break, and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk some box office. So stay tuned. I'm sure you know by now, but we have our own YouTube channel. There, we upload video reviews of the latest television shows or movies and stream gaming content weekly. We have a goal to reach 100 subscribers by the end of the year. Right now, we are about 12 subscribers away from reaching that goal. And it would mean everything to the team here to be able to accomplish this goal. Simply search the Burr Reviews in YouTube search bar to find us. Make sure to not only subscribe if you like the content, but to give the video a thumbs up and ring the bell to make sure you receive notifications of when we upload or go live. The Burr Reviews, your movie refuge. So who was right? I know that's the question that you're all wondering about last week. We sat down and we predicted what the Forever Purge would do at the box office. Linda, you said $15 million, if I'm not mistaken. You are not mistaken. And I said, oh, wait, hold up. I think I actually won. This was not a tie. What? Um, I said 13 I thought I said 10. I said 13. And it made 12.5 in its three-day weekend at the box office over the July 4th holiday. And so I take the cake on that one. It made less than um, the last one did, which we both said that it would. Um, You know, at this point in the franchise, when it's not being received really well, and also COVID, like, I just didn't see it making more than 15 million. And yeah, we were right. Um, and a, not an abysmal showing for COVID, but you know, just not what they probably hoped. Um, 
even though from the critics that I know, they say that this one isn't as bad as you may think, but I'll have to be the judge of that myself when I actually go see it. Weird. I didn't see the Fast and Furious movies being affected by COVID all that much. They still keep making them. (laughs) As much as you would hope that they would stop. They're not going to. They made $70 million in their opening weekend during COVID still. So they're not going anywhere. I wonder why The Purge can do that. I don't know which one I dislike more, The Purge or or (laughs) Master This weekend is the big one. Now this 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 one is going to be hard to predict uh a little bit. So we have Black Widow opening this weekend. And I know that it's going to do more than F9. Like we all know that, right? Uh But the thing is, how much more is it going to do? Um well, we could look at a few different things. So the Box office analysts are predicting that it's going to make anywhere from 65 to 90 million. Um, yes. Yeah. They're, they're expecting it to be hotter than fast nine. And so it's our job to sit here and look at the numbers and look at all of the different things that we have in our disposal to try and figure out what black widow will do. To be honest with you, I'm going I think I'm going to go 90 million. I think I'm going 90 million. Really? Yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to quite breach 100 like maybe we had thought a few weeks ago, but I do think that we are in 90 million territory just with, um, and I do have some insider information too. So like this also like helps my analysis, but I know for a fact that our shows are sold out through the weekend. Um, Meaning like, it's if we're sold out, it's going to be a pretty strong showing everywhere. And so I'm imagining it will probably hit the $90 million mark. I think it'll make, I think it'll make maybe like 50. Oh, you think it's going to make less than F9? How much did F9 make? 70 million. God. Yeah, I'm going 90. Sorry, 90s I don't have the insider information that my boy Jared has over here. Now, you could have looked at the box office projections uh, from the actual like insiders who, who do a pretty good job usually at predicting things like this. They're saying 65 to 90. Do I look like a girl that does her research? Nah, I wing shit. What was the last Marvel movie? Hold on. It had to have been. Was it Spider Man? Yeah. Yeah, Spider Man: Far From Home. Yeah, and that's not. It's not going to do anything on the level of a normal Marvel film like a Guardians of the Galaxy, which opened to like 146 million. Well, actually, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two had a domestic opening of 146, which was 55 percent higher than the first film. But I do think it's going to be more in line with like an Ant-Man or like, you know, something like that where it's not like one of the big ones, but it's still going to, you know, make a pretty decent showing. That's so- why I don't think it's going to do as great. I think it deserves greatness, but yeah. I just I know Black Widow's not as appreciated 
of a character as as most in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's true. But I think what's different about this time is positive word of mouth. Like, um, so far, you know, I think Blackwood is sitting at like an 80% on the tomato meter. Let me check. Uh, yeah, it's sitting at an 82% out of 170 reviews. It's getting a lot of positive word of mouth. Um, you also have to consider there's not much except for Boss Baby 2 and possibly Peter Rabbit for like family-friendly films to go see, unless you consider F9 to be. Um, we have a lot of families going to F9, and I think where Black Widow will come in really handy is it's going to probably eat away at some of that family box office that F9's getting. Yeah. Um, because superheroes, right? Uh, not to mention, this is like the first like female, other than Captain Marvel, this is like one of the OG Avengers that's finally getting a movie. And um, yeah, I think if you would have asked me like a year ago, I would have been like, oh, that's not going to make very much at all. But with COVID and everything, times have changed a little bit and I have a little bit more faith in it, um, especially seeing the pre-sales and seeing what they're going to do. Um, yeah. I just think that it's uh, probably hitting at just the right time. I I think Disney Plus is doing pretty good <clears throat> with their uh, with their shows, trying to keep that fuel alive within Marvel fans. But mm-hmm. I think I think a movie would be really really nice for most of them right now. Just just one good blockbuster. Nice and God, what's the word? Reminiscent of pre-COVID times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's nostalgia almost. At nostalgic. This point. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. That was the word I, was I didn't think about. two years ago could be nostalgic, but uh, it is surprisingly. Yeah. Um. And yeah. So I think it. I think you're right there. I think that's what it has going for it. Right. Um. An easier time, perhaps. And so uh, <laughs> we're kind of going back to that. <laughs> I need to stop. I need to go to bed. Um, <laughs> um, but yes, so I'm saying 90. Are you keeping at? Maybe not. I'll go 70. You'll go 70? Okay. I'll go 70. That's a good guess. Um, Thank you. 70 is a, a good guess on par with F9. It's, it's very safe. It is safe. Uh, I'm going higher than most, um, but that's because I've, I'm looking at the numbers. So Cue that Austin Powers clip with the, I also like to live dangerously. <laughs> <laughs> for real, for real. Uh, or I could edit it in the... <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I hate that cat so much. Uh, oh my god. Damn. I think that is it for box office projection, so stay tuned for next week to see who is right. Now let's talk about what is new to streaming this weekend. Well, we have more Fear Street to watch. You have Fear Street 1994, which is uh, out now, and then coming this Friday, we also have Fear Street 1978, or is it 76? 1978. It's 1978, okay. Um, you'll also have that coming out this weekend as well. Additionally, um, and both those release on Netflix. Additionally, the tomorrow war, 
just uh, released on Amazon Prime. It stars mm-hmm. Chris Pratt. It's like yeah. a big sci-fi thriller. Looked kind of dumb. Um, good. Yeah, it didn't look good at all. And there wasn't a lot of people talking about it either. But that released on Amazon Prime over the weekend. You also have Summer of Soul, which is um, about the roots of the... Uh, oh my God, I was about... <laughs> I didn't even mean to do this. I was going to say it's about the roots of the roots member Questlove, but that's a little confusing if you don't know what I'm talking about. So roots as in the band, like the, the tonight show band, um, one of their, uh, band members Questlove, uh, is basically the star of this new documentary. Um, it celebrates, uh, Woodstock and the continuation of the Harlem cultural festival, uh, the film unearths concert footage that reportedly sat in the basement for 50 years. Um, so that is releasing, uh, actually just released uh, over the weekend on Hulu. Um, I always love when we get things like this that release in 2021 or, you know, going forward, you know, for the next few years where we're getting all of these like unreleased um, clips and stuff from different movies and different things that were in the works. It's always... Um, super interesting to see like we recently a couple of years ago had that Orson Welles project that released on Netflix. What was that? Um, his last film that never got made. And I can't remember the name of it. Something about the winds or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I love when we get things like that because it's uh, always interesting to go back and see, you know, how, like how you perceive it now and then trying to like speculate how it would have been received back then. Um, and so that's kind of one of the things here, um, that that's dipping into. So I think the main thing to watch is fear street, 1994. Um, and then this weekend, probably 1978, because we didn't get a chance to review it yet, but I will say I, I quite like, uh, fear street part one, uh, 1994. I think, um, it's heart was in its, in, in the right place as far as slasher films go. And, it still very much felt like an R.L. Stein property at the same time, which I really appreciated. So they were towing that line of being a 90s slasher and also being still Fear Street at the same time. Right. Um, yeah, it was, it was a really well-balanced film, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I I liked it too. Like like you said, it had that nice mix of 90s slasher mixed in with a little bit of that R.L. Stein, like spooky, supernatural backdrop to it. Mm-hmm. And yet, at the same time, it felt very adult too. Oh, very much so. Those kills. There were a couple of them that were just brutal, like brutal, like. Um, and hi, that soundtrack. Yes, and soundtrack oh, was popping. It was popping, and that was the thing with that they they found a way to include a lot of those songs that are super nostalgic. Speaking of. But at the same time, it didn't feel like they were bashing you over the head with a hammer um, to try and be like, oh, remember this song? Oh, remember that song? No, it actually made it feel like a 90s movie. Yes. Just casually slip them in there. Yeah. That and the costuming, which was very 90s, very grunge 90s. And like, I I, I bought it. Like, I bought it. And uh, poor, I absolutely love 
the actor. Uh, what's her name? Which the one? very uh, first one that's on screen, like the Maya Hawk. Maya I Hawk. fucking love Maya Hawk. I Hawk. love Maya Dude, Hawk. She's my girl. And they kind of do like this. I don't want to spoil it too much. They it's do. It's an homage. Yes, it's an. It's a. <laughs> yes, to say the least. Uh, it's almost scene for scene, an homage. Um, in some places, like the school hallway with the people running around in the right. school. Like, I mean, it's it the is a love letter. Sensitivity of yes, of what was going. Yeah, it yes, was. it was very that film. <laughs> yes, we're talking about Scream. So, uh, yes. yeah, if you know, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, that is all we have for streaming. Um, there isn't too much. Uh, Instead of the Tomorrow War with Chris Pratt, just watch Fear Street. Yeah, watch Fear Street. Uh, it jumped to like number one, like film, like over the weekend too, like for streaming, like yeah. all of streaming. Everyone was talking about Fear Street. My so sister and I watched it, and she fucking loved it. Like even she, she was like, "Oh damn, what's going on with these songs?" I'm like, "Roxanne, sit down." Yeah. <laughs> um, again, like I think that. We might get, it seems like the next one, like the one that's coming out this weekend, like 1978 is going to be much more aggressive and much more kill heavy than. This one was an homage to Scream, but I'm calling it now. The second one is obviously going to be an homage to, yeah. And it's, despite it not being the same decade, it's definitely going to be an homage to either like Sleepaway Camp or Friday the 13th. Also, there, which I'm fine with. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I'm welcoming it. In they've fact. been they've been tastefully. They did scream tastefully with this one. I feel like they're gonna do fine with the next. They will. Uh, there's also like a pair. I was watching the little like trailer for it after Fear Street Part One ended. Mm-hmm. There is a full blown sex scene in the next one. I know. I like, saw that. and I was like. Oh. And it's very 80s, too. It's, like, very gross. This uh, <laughs> is, like, not attractive at all. Um, but, no, you know, just... it is what it is. Uh, they're going to die. So yeah, it doesn't really matter. You know, they can have their little weird hump session. I know. They're just going to get slaughtered anyway. I just hate 80s men in, in like, in scenes like that. Because they're always, like, you know, they're, like, moving their chest. And it's, like, and it, and it, it just doesn't ever... <laughs> I'm so sorry. Again, if you want the full video version of the podcast, subscribe to our Patreon campaign so you can see what I was doing there. But is it not? Is that not what it is? It's too late in the morning. Or is it too early in the day? It reminds me of that one Friday the 13th movie. I can't remember which one, but they like opened up the camp fully. It was one of the Tommy Jarvis ones. Mm -hmm. I think it was the last Tommy Jarvis one. And they were doing it in the RV and the girl's like, I want to finish at least until the end of this song. And he's just laying there like, okay. (laughs) The link just finished. (laughs) I can't talk about sex scenes with Jared. I'm sorry. It's just it's too much. I'm trying so hard not to be <laughs> That concludes this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much. And oh, thank you for indulging us in an extra day too. Uh, with the fourth and everything, we just uh, didn't have time to really record anything. So thank you for waiting an extra day. Hope it was well worth it. Especially if you can watch this podcast 
live in video form, then you can really see what was going on behind the scenes. Um, <laughs> that is all the time we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. <laughs>